Welcome to Mind Over Matter with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. I share stories of insight, personal experience, ways in which I and others have overcome obstacles, and the importance of perseverance. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am thrilled to have you here on my podcast, tuning in weekly as I share two episodes with you. My goal through this podcast is to inspire and empower as well as motivate you to move forward in life. I also provide one-on-one coaching, so if that's something you're interested in, listen all the way to the end for ways to connect with me. Welcome to episode number 163. This week, we touched on many subjects, including money, a wealthy mindset, and steering away from so much consumerism. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's podcast interview. I brought on Megan Swim. Megan, welcome. Hey, thank you so much, Heather, for having me. Give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? I currently live in Calgary, Alberta. I am a little bit of a nomad, so the last couple of years I've been all over, um, depending on kind of where the wind blows, if there's events going on, mastermind opportunities, uh, work opportunities. So I kind of go wherever Um, but right now that's where I'm at and I do website development and social media management for local businesses. Uh, and I also work with individuals, helping them to master their mindset and their money strategies. Yes. Well, and it seems like, I don't know if it's our generation thing, but more and more people are doing this work remote or they, we just, we want the freedom of it all. So how, how did you get into what you're doing? Did you used to work corporate? I've worked a lot of jobs in my 31 years, um, or the 15, 16 that I've been working, uh, from fast food to retail, to banks, to hotels, to the university I graduated from, um, and probably everywhere in between. Uh, but I always go back to small businesses. Um, it just seems to be the best fit for the flexibility and the freedom that I like to be able to have within my days. I find working with those companies that don't have as many like regulations and policies and doing all these different things was a better fit for me. Um, and then back in 2010, I was actually, I was introduced to the network marketing industry, which brought me to learning about mastering your mindset and entrepreneurship and the fact that successful people and not even successful because there is a difference between success and wealth, but wealthy people do things differently from everyone else to be able to create and attain and maintain their lifestyle once they get there. And so I really started digging into what do they do? How do they think? How do they manage their money? And, and how is it that they're able to create this lifestyle, whether it takes, you know, you hear some stories, it took them just a few years to create a thriving business other people, it takes decades, but what is the process and their thought processes to create that? What is that? Um, a lot of it is about, you know, mastering your emotions, uh, language, the language that they use, their I am statements, how they're thinking. Uh, they take time to think they actually take time to be with themselves. They work on systems and strategies so that they're able to put things in place and then kind of step away. And it's not necessarily them doing all the things all the time, but they either have systems or people that help them to manage and to scale what they're doing. And 
a lot of it is about being mindful and being connected and, and creating the physiology and the feeling of happiness and joy before they actually get to attaining the money. It's more about their mindset and their passion. And then the lifestyle often comes after the fact. Um, whereas people that are constantly chasing money, which when I started, it was all about like when I was 17, I was pompous and was like, when I'm 27, I'm going to own a Ferrari. I had driven in a Porsche, drove a Porsche the first time. And I came home and was like, I'm going to own a Ferrari by the time I'm 27. There's no Ferraris where I'm from. Like there's a few now, but like, that's just not, it was just, you know, me being very lifestyle driven. And then when I started looking at how you create that, I realized that the underlying goal should actually be creating internal happiness and then whether you have the money or not, it doesn't actually make a difference to your overall happiness. It helps you pay for the trip, but it's, that trip is not going to make you a happier person. Being happy and going on the trip, you'll continue to be happy, but going on the trip won't make you happy if you're miserable before. Yes. You just holy, you touched on so many things there and I want to backtrack a little bit, but the first thing I want to touch on, and I tried to take some notes, but the first thing I want to touch on I actually literally just talked about this on a mastermind that I'm a part of. And it's that whole, I don't know if you're into Abraham Hicks or or who you got that from. That's one I follow in love, but it's that whole, in order to manifest the things you want, you have to feel as though you already have it. And so by embracing those feelings of whether it's the money, the relationship, the job, the travel, whatever, but feel like, feel the excitement and the joy of having it. And then because you're already feeling it, it's as though it's already true and it has to manifest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love, I love that stuff. Yeah. It's really powerful. And when you start to tap into it, and then when you recognize how you've been manifesting things in your life, one of my favorite things to do activities, like when I'm thinking, is to think back of like, an experience that I've had, whether it be good or bad, because I've had some like questionable situations turn up in my life. We've all had those experiences. Um, to look back and then think of the path that brought me there and recognize that, oh yeah, back when I was in high school, I had that thought or I wanted to create this. And then fast forward four years, I met that person and they planted that seed. And then holy shit, now here I am. And three of those things just happened. But it's kind of connecting the dots as to how the seeds were planted and recognizing that no matter what it is, it's being attracted and manifested, whether it be good or bad. But if you think back to kind of your timeline of events that have happened, you realize even the bad things, holy shit, in a way I did manifest that. In a way, I had had sure. thoughts about those, you know, meeting those people or about doing that type of thing. And then this is what ended up happening. And oh my gosh. And it's just, it's so mind blowing to like recognize how you're manifesting or how we as beings are manifesting our life without necessarily playing into it, but when you recognize how it's happening and how you're able to change it so that you're focusing on what you want and you're feeling the feelings. Um, I have listened to Abraham Hicks, but it made me think of when you were just sharing, um, have you been to date with destiny? Yep. Tony's event. Okay. So at date with destiny, one of the visual visualizations or like places that I ended up going back to over one of his exercises was running on the treadmill the last day of university, my last exam. So I am a rebel. I rebel against a lot of things. It took me six years to get my four-year business degree because um, I would take time off. I would go do jobs. I would do half, like part-time, whatever, just not focused. Um, but on that last day, 
my greatest joy feeling was 5 a.m. at the gym, running on the treadmill, big headphones on, just go. And I was running to Rihanna and I had my notes in front of me. And then that whole, I was like high stepping through the university and I was just feeling like $12 million. And it was an amazing day. And so remembering that now when I'm at the gym, I have trainers and people almost daily being like, Oh, like they'll like dance with me in front of my treadmill or they will like, one of the guy calls me miss singer because I'm constantly like, if I have enough breath that I can mouth the words to the song I'm listening to, I am singing that song. And sometimes I'm visualizing myself at a Tony event with everyone dancing around me and going crazy. And I'm just running because it like energizes me. Um, but that event and that experience brought me back to the amazing feeling of joy of exercising. And now it's, I crave getting up at five in the morning and going, um, just because I've, I've reconditioned myself to crave that feeling. Well, and it sounds like when you're not only are you feeling the joy, but you have the momentum and the focus and the other things you touched on is the emotional intelligence and language. So NLP is a big one, neuro linguistic programming, but being present and focused, it's all those things. It's, it's those disciplines and so correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it seems like the wealthy people or the people getting ahead, the people seemingly successful have a lot of self-disciplines in place. Absolutely. Um, Jim Rohn, I'm sure you've heard of him in, at some point in your personal development career. So I used to listen to an audio of his and he talks about the foundations and how they're easy to do and easy not to do. And there's foundations and it's basically the four, five, six things you need to do day in, day out. Um, as basic principles. And when you have a solid foundation, like if your house is on a solid foundation, it's going to last. So for healthy eating or for for being a healthy being, for example, the foundations would be to nourish your body with good food, to have healthy thoughts, to move your body every day. It doesn't mean run a marathon every day, but just get off your couch to get good sleep. You know, if you do those four things day in, day out, they're going to grow into better, healthier, longer and lasting habits. But those are the foundations. And you can add in vitamins and you can add in a couple other things that you want to say, well, this needs to happen or this is a foundational must or whatever. But at the end of the day, there's really only four or five things that you need to do on a daily basis. And you will become a healthier person by continuing to practice them over time. Yeah. And, and one of the memes that I love, I see on Instagram and I think Pinterest too, but because I talk so much about mindset and that's why after this, I want to get more into this wealthy mindset and kind of how you used to be consumer driven to what you are now. But my point in that was the meme that I love is um, you can drink the alkaline water, you can eat the kale, you can do the yoga. And so you can do all these external things but if you don't, the thing goes, if you don't take care of the shit going on inside your head, you're still unhealthy. So talk about foundation. I think your mindset, mindful, present, all that is like the foundation to create all these other things. I love that. I think that that's fantastic. I've seen that meme. I didn't even really kind of compute it in that way of like mindset really being, because even to maintain or continue those habits, your mindset is probably the biggest, one of the biggest factors as to like, do I get up and put on my sneakers and go for the run or do I not? Do I go, do I reach for the salad or do I get the burger? It's all in your head. It's, it's easy to pick up the salad and eat it and you'll still enjoy it. And it's easy to pick up the burger and you'll eat it and you'll still enjoy it until an hour later when you don't feel as well. And an hour after the salad, when you feel 10 times better, um, 
but at the, it's really about your mind and, and are you leaning into the things that are going to bring you the feelings and the lifestyle that you want? Yeah. Okay. So speaking of that lifestyle, because, and I, I mean, that's one thing we are, I think we are so consumer driven because that's what we're conditioned to do. And coming from so much wealthy training that you've done and the wealthy mindset and the conferences and whatever you've attended, how did you go from that consumerism, you know, taking the bay into creating more of fulfillment and joy and happiness with less? It's a great question. Um, I think it all, it started with realizing that buying more wasn't going to create me being a happier person. Um, having all the cars and the, all the different things wasn't going to bring me more joy if I was miserable, but more than that, it was opening my eyes and just realizing like, when I look around the way, you know, if you walk in a store and the way you see people flocking to sales or buying just over consuming of like everything possible, walking into someone's house and there's just stuff everywhere. And I'm, I've had an apartment full of stuff, but just over the years I've learned like this is the stuff is not making me happy. I have watched some of Marie Kondo's, um, her thing on Netflix, but I've also read both of her books, uh, spark the, the one about spark joy and the magic of tidying up, um, listen to the audios and I've done it multiple times and I'm not saying get rid of all your stuff, but I just realized, you know, having a clean, not overflowing space actually helps you to feel lighter. Like you feel more free when you walk into a room and it's light and airy and flowy and there's not boxes of stuff piled up. Like it feels better. So embracing that feeling and also recognizing that cause it's not, I'm not saying that wealth or owning things is not important. I just don't believe now. And before, had you asked me when I was younger, I wanted all the toys, the Furbies, the Nintendos, the Game Boys, all the things I, I wanted and needed. It all. And I had 90% of it. So, so I was very fortunate in that way. But now I look and I'm like, I have a closet full of black clothes, black shirts. I've got four t-shirts. I'll probably buy a few more because I'm coming into summer. But I'm constantly, I flew here with two suitcases. I live on as little as possible. I've left Nova Scotia back in November. Um, so I've accumulated some things, but I already have a pile of things ready to be given away. So I'm like, I don't wear it enough. I don't love how it fits. I don't love how I feel in it. I don't need to pack it up and take it somewhere with me. Um, actually there's a, a quick little story about how I've gone from, I want to have it all, which I used to have, you know, tons of pairs of shoes, like, when I graduated university, I was like obsessed with like, you know, I would have the new year's dresses and the shopping and I would go out for drinks and I would get wasted and I would go out for dinner and I would do brunches and I did all the things. And then I woke up and was like, these things are not making me happy. And then I feel worse about it the next day. And then I probably go drink again. And then, and that's a perpetuating cycle and all these clothes I have, I wear them the one time, but I don't even love how I feel in it the one time I wear it. So then I don't wear it again. And I have these shoes that I'd wear couple times here and there and they hurt my feet so I wouldn't wear them back to work and I just have all this shit that is of no value to me but cost me thousands of dollars and so I switched my focus and I invested in programs and in mindset and in learning and in travel and in experiences so it's not like I don't spend money I just invest my money in things that I know are going to bring me joy so my little 
side note story is shoes. I came here with like two pairs of sneakers, um, pair of flip flops. They've already been replaced and thrown out because the ones I flew in with had seen their day. And now these ones are like my shower shoes for the gym. I've got my gym sneakers. And then I had one other pair of black sneakers that I was wearing, you know, every day for the last, since I went to Bali in November, pretty much <laughs> like, except for when I was in Bali. Um, and so this weekend I went to the mall. I've been thinking about new shoes for about a week. Thought I was going to replace them with the exact same thing. And anyway, I went and I went to, I knew the store was having a sale. I picked four pairs of black shoes because I want, I wear primarily all black because it all matches. And when you're living out of a suitcase, you can just pack it up and go to wherever. And then like you still have a wardrobe in your next destination. I went from Toronto to Bali to the U.S. to Calgary. Very different climates over the, over a year. So I needed to be prepared to be able to like layer and also like take things off to make it work. Um, anyway, four pairs of shoes. I ended up buying like a pair of hush puppies. I thought I was going in for sneakers, but I ended up investing in a pair of like $95 hush puppy flats that I'm like, I can wear these probably every day for the summer and they will be comfortable and they will look cute. And I don't need, I don't wear heels a lot. I take transit. I don't, I walk too much to like want to try and struggle in heels so I do things that are practical with my lifestyle, but also that will last me long-term. So bought a decent pair that will last me a long time, but they're also functional for everyday life. Uh, so that's just like one way of like how my thought process has shifted from accumulate all the things and have 15 pairs and have buy the cheapest ones or, you know, the $40 ones, but have four pairs of them or buy the hundred dollar pair and have the one pair and just they fit like a, I put them and a pair of lucky brand shoes on my feet. And I was like, holy shit, these are the ones like hands down, no matter what, didn't even look at the price tag, just gave them the girl and said, I want those. Yeah. So being able to come from a place like that, that it's not necessarily, I want the cheapest or the less, but I want quality and it's an investment. And I'm not thinking about, you know, people, let me go to pay less and well, when they were a thing and buy five pairs of shoes for a hundred dollars. No, let me get the one that's going to work the best. Yeah. And I'm going to want it long-term or for as long as they'll last me. Cause you know, if they, when they wear out, I'll just get, I'll just replace them. So anyway. you've just, you've really transferred transitioned into a quality over quantity feeling. Very much so. Yeah. And what yeah. I loved uh, Marie Kondo, actually, I did my own tidying up thing. That was a few months ago, but I went through and, and what I loved most about that process and, it literally, I, but I go all in like a, a Tony Robbins, right? I'm full immersion. And I, I think it took me around 35 hours to go through my entire place. We're talking shoes, clothes, the papers, everything. But talk about sparking joy. I walk into every single room. I open drawers. I've stayed up on that tidying up and organized my vehicle, everything. And I still like the things I like, I have less things like you. I definitely invest more in experiences and I even, that's what I give as gifts. Now I don't give shit or stuff. I, so for mother's day, we're going to go have English tea time. Like I, I want my mom to remember experiences with me over that Macy's gift card or whatever. And so to each their own, but something else, um, I wanted to ask you about this is, you know, what advice do you give to somebody who has bought into this consumerism and I'm realizing, yeah, this, this isn't fulfillment. This is just, it's that fleeting happiness, right? You buy the thing and then it, it, that it, joy lasts for like a minute until you get the next thing. So maybe somebody who was in your old shoes, pun intended, 
um, what do you, what advice do you give them? The best things that I started to do with it was starting to pay attention, um, to, to a number of things. First of all, paying attention to the actual numbers. When you're, um, when you're going out and buying things, it's become a very unconscious act. Like the habit of shopping is just a very unconscious thing. So as consumers and as people that buy into consumerism, they go out and they just, you know, they shop and they just tap their card. I don't know if you guys have tap in America, but we just like tap our credit card and we buy things and we tap at the grocery store and it's bought or we like put it in and use our pin. You don't even need a signature. And I locked myself out of a bank card seven months ago and I still can't get in, but I can still use it because I can tap on it. (laughs) Like... So learning to pay attention to the numbers and I use mint.com. It's like an app. It's free and it collects all of your bank accounts. So when you start seeing, holy shit, I spent $700 on what I would classify as alcohol and bars. If it was more like nights out instead of a restaurant. Um, when I started waking up to like those numbers, I was like, I do not want to be wasting this much money $400 on coffee in one month. Like what the fuck was I drinking? (laughs) Like that is a grocery budget. And it's not like I had the money, but what is the purpose of spending that much on something so insignificant? So when I started paying attention to that and then also started recognizing that within a short period of time, the things didn't actually change what was go, what the state of my life. Um, And also at the same time, tapping into how I felt about things. So a lot of it comes back to mindfulness and just being present with things, present in the space that I'm in, present with whatever it is I'm doing. But by being present, I recognize, oh, you know, I don't necessarily want to do that. I'm not spending unconsciously because I'm like present in the moment and I'm actually thinking about it or I'm not buying things just because it's on sale. I'm buying the thing that's good quality and I only need two. So I'm only buying two. When I need a new shirt, I'll go and buy the one new shirt or I'll find what will be an, that maybe depending on the season, there's a different alternative to what I was thinking of when I get to the store. But like, I don't overconsume just because it's inexpensive. I need the one. So I buy the one I need three. So I buy three. Um, So there's things like that that I have done. And if I was talking to someone to say like, what could you start doing now to become more mindful of it, of what, you know, you're spending or of your consumerism kind of thing. My best advice would be once you buy something, look at like, don't take the tags off and stuff, look at it and reflect on in the next day or two, how you really feel about it. Cause usually buyer's remorse kicks in within 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. So if you take it home and you don't actually consume it or you don't use it, then you might wake up and be like, you know, I really don't need this. Or you might be like, no, I love it. And if there's something you love, I'm not going to say don't buy it. And my sister, she's got a lot of clothes and that's who I stay with in Calgary. From my perspective, I would say, I would say, you know, you could get rid of some stuff and she's like skinned down some, some, and like, you know, done some Marie Kondo minimalizing doesn't have an overwhelming amount, but still has stuff. But she tried on a dress the other day and she showed it to me thinking that I would say, yeah, return it. Like you have 15 other ones and you don't need it. And it fit like a glove. And I was like, no, it's perfect. Yeah. I said, like, keep it. Absolutely. Keep. Yeah. Oh, and that skirt, you just bought that too. That looks fantastic. Don't, don't put that back. But is there something else you can get rid of? 
You don't have to, but is there something in your closet that you actually don't like? Is there something that has a hole in it that every time you put it on, you're like, fuck that damn hole, damn that coffee stain, but you're holding on to it for just because Jane gave it to you. Like recognize those things that are no longer serving you because they, you put them on and they, they itch you. They, you know, they bother you a little bit. You look at that photo frame and it's a reminder of something you don't want eliminate those and then focus on all the good things. Yeah. And so what I I hear you saying is, and and I've done some of these myself, but it's so to take inventory of your spending and your surroundings. And I actually have my own quote on this. I thoroughly believe, you know, if you live in a messy environment, your external environment is a direct reflection of your internal environment. So I think once you tidy up and you clean up the external, then like, just the peace that I feel inside. I love, but yeah, when it comes to shopping, I, I have a strict rule. I have to love it and I love shoes, but I have to love them or I return them. And then I've tried to get into a, a space rather than adding, I'm replacing. So if I get rid of a shirt, I can replace, but I'm not adding. Yeah. And that, and that's exactly like those simple things as you become aware of them that's what helps you kind of step away from the consumerism. Cause even having those habits, I would say you're not overly active as a, as a big, huge consumer. Cause consumerism is basically have it all add more, add more, even if I don't love it, even if I don't need it, buy all the things. So I have all of the options, but if you're replacing things and you're only buying things, cause you pick them up and you're like, I love these. I love how this shirt feels. I love this dress, whatever it is you're coming from a completely different space. And then every time you put it on, it's like an investment in feeling great instead of putting something on or using something or walking into a room that's overcrowded or even the kitchen. If you walk into a kitchen and it's like clean and sparkly and all the counters are good, you're like, yeah, this feels great. But if you walk in and it's messy and overwhelming and the whole external of all the things is just all like there, you, you feel uncomfortable. You are feeling at a sense of dis-ease. Like you're just, it's just not a like flowing, free, welcoming, warm place to be. So I, I think that's with all of our rooms, with our office environment, if you work in an office environment, with every kind of space, if you're able to control what you hear, if you're able to control what you're looking at and the clutter, and, and feel as though it's a light, free, flowy place, then everything that you do from that space is going to be exponentially greater and better than if you're coming from a space of closed, uncomfortable, overwhelmed, unhappy, irritated. It's just a whole different vibe. And your whole day transpires in a better way, in my, from my experience and in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I think final note on that is there is no one size fits all, right? Minimalism, like we're talking real minimalism, people that live in a tiny home, that is great. That is for some people. And the people that like, like things, like my parents like things. I like things, just less things. So to each their own, but I think it is really just finding that joy and not feeding into it if that is not what feels good to you. Absolutely. And also if it's not what feels good to you and also if it's not something that you can actually afford. Yeah. Because a lot of people are driven by consumerism, but they're also like, you know, dripping in debt. 
and I'm not debt free. That is a goal that I have in my life, but anything that I owe is because I've invested in myself. And so the return is going to be greater than what it was invested. So it was all, I mean, I didn't get a master's degree. I have my unit, my BCom, but the last seven years I've traveled around the world, attending events with different millionaires and billionaires and learning mindset and mastermind stuff and marketing and, and all these different techniques and strategies. And so it has been, it's been money well invested, um, compared to when I was in university and had a closet full of shoes that I didn't wear. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that was money that I had wasted and spent and literally it was just sitting there and I didn't even like most of them. Whereas now it's been invested in, and maybe it's experiences. I'm with you. Like, let's go to dinner. Let's go to this tea place. Let's have an experience over. Let me give you this card or whatever, but it's definitely, um, coming from a different space. And, but to each their own, you know, you want a lot of things, you want not a lot of things, find what's going to bring you joy, but also be mindful of, and that's where like mint comes in and paying attention. Cause if you feel like you're broke and you're checking your bank account and you're spending $600 a month on alcohol or something, or on workout things, and you're like, shit, like I didn't realize between all those memberships that I never used, that's how much I was spending. Yeah. Then that's, that's, money earned that you can save, that you can invest in things that you do want that can, you know, release some of the pressure. And when you find your holes and you plug them, all of a sudden you've realized that you actually had more than enough. You were just wasting more than you thought. Yeah, I agree. I think this is something we could probably talk about for ages, but in, um, you know, with time, I would love to wrap up the interview. I have a few last questions for you. Absolutely. First one, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Success isn't what you do. It's what you do daily. Uh-huh. And that was by uh, Jeff Combs. And it's one that I bought his program. It was one of the first audio university programs I ever bought. Um, so I used to go to automobile university. I put in CD decks. And I just listened to like tapes over and over and over. And it was one of his sayings that is just always stuck with me and even as simple as taking the stairs. Success isn't what you do. It's what you do daily. Do I take the elevator? Do I fuck it? I'll take the stairs. Yes. I love that. What you do. Yeah. That goes back to daily disciplines. Yeah. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? Oh, so currently reading two, I'm going to stick with the one that I've read through the most. And it's called the power of I am by Joel Olstein. Osteen. Um, I have listened to the audio multiple times. I'm reading the physical hard copy right now and the I am statements that he offers up in that book and the way he rewords the language that he offers for you to be able to take for any type of situation, whether it be health, finances, business, relationships, every area of your life, the, the powerful statements that he gives you that you can then use as your own kind of mantras as you're going through things are hands down some of the most powerful I am statements I've ever heard. Awesome. Good to know. I love new books. So that's why I love asking that question. Yeah, it's a great question. Final question. What advice would you give your younger self? Continue to grow and be open. Mm. 
when I was younger, I was very closed minded and I was angry, but my mom had always been planting the seed of personal development. It's really hard to imagine me as like an unhappy person. I know, um, but like my mom was always planting the seed of personal development and it didn't click until I recognized in like 2010, which was probably 10 years after she started 11 years after she started planting the seed that like, Holy shit, she was onto something. Um, so had I been open and willing to grow back then, then it would have been a 10 year exponent, like that much more of a personal development journey. So if I could go back, that would be my takeaway. Do you know, it's funny. I, I asked this question to all guests and that is a very common theme is to start earlier. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's something even with my little sister now, like looking back and then watching her and seeds that I've planted with her when she was younger, it's like, when I woke up, I tried to like get her to wake up sooner. Cause I'm like, Hold, no, seriously, Emma, like you have got to like over here is just so much better. Like when you think this way or when you work towards these things, it's just life can be so much more beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, that's definitely a big, a big thing. Yes. Megan, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story today. My pleasure, Heather. Thank you so much for having me and, and giving me the opportunity to do this podcast with you. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. To connect with me further, you can find me on Facebook, Heather Hakes. I am also on Instagram as Heather.Hakes. And I even have a YouTube channel. Guess what? Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.